What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Rabbit Stick Podcast. I am your host, Jack Sperry. It is Monday, June 20th. Uh, happy late Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy Juneteenth uh, to everybody out there as well. Uh, tonight, Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals on ABC. It is back in Tampa Bay. Um, and then some College World Series games today in Omaha. Number 14, Auburn, is taking on number 2, Stanford, in an, an elimination play. That starts at 1 p.m. on uh, ESPN. And then Ole Miss will take on Arkansas in the double elimination round today at 6, also on ESPN. So let's jump into uh, a weekend that was full of some really great sports action. Uh, the Stanley Cup Finals... Game two was on Saturday, and Colorado absolutely destroyed the Tampa Bay Lightning and the best goalie in the world. Uh, They scored, I think, four goals in the first period, and then they ended the game with seven total goals to Tampa Bay's zero, an absolute domination by the Avalanche, um, completely destroying uh, this, the two-time champs and uh, arguably the best goalie in the world. And, uh, you know, it was it's very, very impressive to watch Colorado just skate circles around this already great Tampa Bay team that has playoff experience, that has Stanley Cup Finals experience. They know what it takes to win this thing. And Colorado is a new kid on the block, and they're just skating circles around these guys right now. Um now, as the series heads back to Tampa, the Lightning need to win these next two games. So tonight is an absolute must-win for Tampa, and I think game four is an absolute must-win uh, as well. But, you know, you look at the series, and, you know, you expect the finals experience to really show through for Tampa Bay. But Colorado, on their home ice, they looked incredible and they look like that they're going to run away with this series right now so I guess we'll have to see where all of that goes um you know they they just look faster you know they're I mean it's very very entertaining to watch they're they're being they're playing more physical uh, on the defensive side of the ball or on of the ice and I mean like the chemistry and the movement and the speed at which they're playing um, I think they're really taking advantage of the fact that Tampa Bay has had some pretty long series uh, in these playoffs, and Colorado has just kind of run through uh, the gambit here, and they look fresh. They look fast. They look energetic. They're flying around, and, you know, if Tampa Bay wants to win the series, you know, their goaltender needs to play, you know, Bolevsky needs to play better, much better. You can't be giving up seven goals in a game. Um, but, you know, the offense also needs to get more shots on net. They're just not getting enough opportunities right now. Colorado is dominating the puck, and you can't leave a game with zero uh, with zero goals past the, past the goaltenders. They just need to play better tonight. Um, you know, I did pick the Lightning in six games. Uh, that looks like It looks like that prediction is not going to happen. And right now the Lightning, you know, their backs are up against it. They need to win four out of the next five games. And with the way Colorado absolutely killed them in Denver, you know, it's looking like a real uphill battle uh, to get that historic third Stanley Cup in a row for Tampa Bay. Um, 
so yeah, you know, Colorado definitely has the advantage in this series. Uh, if Colorado can steal a game in Tampa Bay, I think this series is theirs because I don't think Tampa Bay is coming back from a 3-1 series deficit. I think the Lightning need to win these next two games. Um, and it's going to be an uphill battle because Colorado, you know, they just look like a, they just look like they're on a whole nother level than the Lightning right now, which is crazy because the Lightning are the two-time reigning champs. All right, moving on to the College World Series this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and Old Miss are the teams that won in the opening round. And what's interesting about this is that all these teams are unranked. None of these teams came into postseason play in the top 25. And that completely, you know, that's crazy to me. You know, that just shows you how how close and how much parity there is in college baseball today. And that's why it's and it's part of the reason why it's so entertaining. Because um, there's so much talent in college baseball today. And there's so many. Uh, and, you know, baseball is a game where if you have a lot of stars in your lineup, that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. You know, you, you know if you have a good bullpen day, if you have a good uh, day for your lineup, you know, if you if you face a pitcher on the other side that's not having his best day, you know, you can win a ball game. And that's what's very, very fun about college baseball is that, you know, you can you can have a Tennessee go up against an, an unranked, like a number one team in Tennessee go up against someone unranked like a like an Ole Miss or a Notre Dame. And you can still expect at least the unranked, the unranked team having a chance at winning that ball game. Um, so it's, you know, the parity in college baseball today, absolutely unmatched in pretty much any other realm of sport right now, college or professional. And I think that's why, you know, college baseball is starting to have a bit of a rise here. Um, so last night, Texas A&M played Texas. Both these teams are ranked and they lost their first matchup, I believe, on Friday. They played yesterday, and the Texas Longhorns, the number nine team in the country, has been eliminated. They lost 10-2 to to Texas A&M last night, or yesterday, and then last night uh, in double elimination play, Oklahoma moved on to the next round, defeating Notre Dame 6-2. to um, Now Notre Dame will be uh, moving to the elimination round, and Oklahoma uh, gets that much, much uh, appreciated second win of the tournament so Oklahoma is in good shape uh, and then today Auburn and Stanford are playing in an elimination game and Old Miss and Arkansas are uh, going to be vying to take that other very important spot past the second round of this tournament um, going into uh, uh, series play is going to be huge for whoever wins Old Miss and Arkansas and then another thing that happened this weekend was the U.S. Open. And yesterday, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, he won his first career major championship at 27 years old, shooting a, a minus two in the final round. Uh, he had some really, really incredible shots, particularly on uh, hole number 10. And then, you know, he hit, I believe, seven greens. He had seven opportunities for birdies. He only capitalized on three of them, but he was hitting greens all day long. He was staying out. He was staying out of the bunkers. He was staying out of the rough, um, and he was staying on schedule throughout the day. And he ended up winning uh, his first major championship on Father's Day yesterday. 
and he beat out uh, rising star Scotty Scheffler, uh, who has been on a tear lately. He won the Masters. Um, and he also beat out 25-year-old Will Zalardis uh, by one stroke. So he beat Scheffler and Zalardis by one stroke. Ended at minus six. Scheffler and Zalardis uh, were both at minus five. And man, that last hole, Zalardis and Fitzpatrick were in the same pairing. Um, and Fitzpatrick, so he finished his par, his par putt. And you know Zalardis is coming to his ball. Uh, with a chance to birdie and tie Fitzpatrick and send it to a playoff. And, you know, it's not an easy putt. And Zalardis sends it, and it is about a quarter of an inch uh, to the left. And, oh my gosh, you could just see the pain in his face when uh, that ball just barely scooted by the hole. It was, it was, it was so close to sending it to a playoff. Zalardis, I believe, was minus three on the day. It might have been minus one. I can't remember. Uh, but he had one hell of a tournament as well. But congratulations to Matt Fitzpatrick. You know, golf has been uh, making a bit of a rise this year as well. Uh, it's been, you know, the U.S. Open this last round was so entertaining with Shuffler and Zalardis and Fitzpatrick battling it out there at the end. That was uh, one of the most entertaining final rounds of golf that I've ever seen. The Masters was also very entertaining with Roy with uh, McElroy. Uh, I think he shot like minus six or minus seven on that last round in Augusta, um, trying to make a comeback to Scheffler, but Scheffler was was super solid all week uh, in Augusta. But yeah, the U.S. Open definitely was a great event this weekend. Um, last thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about Steph Curry, and I want to talk about uh, where he stands in the pantheon of point guards all time. Because, you know, when you think of the greatest point guards of all time, obviously you think of Magic, obviously you think of uh, Chris Paul, you think of Isaiah Thomas, uh, Oscar Robertson, uh, you think of those guys. But um, I'm going to put Steph Curry in the number two spot all time. Uh, I like him over Oscar. I like him over, uh, I, I like him over Isaiah Thomas as well. I don't like him over Magic. Uh, and here's why. Magic won more titles as the number one option on his team. It's, you know, and Steph Curry, you know, you can't deny that when KD was there, KD was the go-to option at the end of games. And, you know, to be that go-to score. When they needed a bucket, they turned to KD. Um, and in those two finals that they won, you know, KD gets the credit for being the number one option on those teams. Um, Steph Curry is an incredible leader. He is He was the glue in the heart and soul uh, of those teams. But it still remains that... Uh, he wasn't the best player on those teams. So he does get a bit of a reduction for that. Um, also, Magic has more MVPs. So, you know, just in terms of overall greatness, I still think Steph has a little ways to go. Now, I do think that he could move ahead of Magic eventually. He's only 34. He still has a lot. You know, obviously this team still has lots of legs on it. Who knows how many titles Steph Curry is going to end his career with. 
Um, and when you look at Steph Curry's legacy, the way that he's absolutely changed the game of basketball, you can argue that Magic saved the game of basketball in the 80s along with Bird um, because the game was definitely fledgling um, from kind of the dark days of the 70s and Magic and Bird really uh, brought it back. So, you know, in terms of overall uh, impact on the game, I'd say they're pretty darn close. If not, Magic has a slight edge. But, you know, when you look at Curry, greatest three-point shooter of all time, you know, obviously a great passer. Not as good as Magic, but still a great passer. Um, one of, if not the best handles in league history. Um, and then he's increasingly improved his defense. He's not the defender, and he will never be the defender that Magic was because... Uh, just because of Magic's size, you know, pure size and strength that Curry just won't ever be able to match. But, you know, Curry has become a plus defender. And, you know, the advantage that Curry definitely has over Magic is three-point shooting. Uh, Magic was never really a great jump shooter. He had a bit of a jump hook. Um, but Steph Curry is obviously on a whole nother level than Magic when it comes to the amount of ways that he can score. Um Steph Curry might be the most versatile scorer of all time. Um, I, w I wouldn't say that. You can make an argument that he is just because of all the things he can do from 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 downtown. But I would I'd argue that Kevin Durant might be the most versatile scorer of all time um, just because of his length and the stuff that he's able to do with his length and just being able to pull up on people just because he's taller than everyone. I think you know it gives him a slight edge over Curry, but... You know, when I look at Curry, I, I, I look at him and I see the second greatest point guard of all time. Um, and it's, you know, to me, it's not super close between him and Isaiah and Oscar. You know, you can argue which one's number three to me. You know, I I think there's a case to be made for either Oscar or Isaiah. I'd probably uh, say Isaiah. And then, of course, John Stockton's there as well. But I think he's behind both uh, Robertson and, and Thomas. But... Um, when I look at the greatest point guards of all time with this last championship here, I think Steph firmly puts himself in the second slot all time. Um, and Magic is still in the top 10 in my opinion, but I would say Steph is probably outside of the top 10. I'm still trying to put together my top 10 and top 15 uh, NBA players of all time. And when I have that, Hopefully tomorrow I'm going to be sharing it here on the podcast, so that'll be a really fun segment. But, you know, when I look at Steph, you know, the the dribbling, you know, the handles, the the passing, the leadership, uh, the impact on the game, the three-point shooting, um, you know, the improved defense, all that in consider into consideration, I think he is still behind Magic, but I think he has moved into that second spot over Isaiah Thomas. Uh, so that's going to do it for today's show. Hopefully tomorrow I'll, I will have my top 10 and top 15 list of NBA players of all time. Um, and then maybe this summer, later this summer, I'll go over uh, my all-time starting five. That'll, that'll be another fun thing that we do. Uh, so without further ado, thanks for stopping by. Peace. <laughs>